Visit GormanSharp.com for more information. Gorman Sharp Funeral Home, our family serving yours. analysis and opinion. It's the Elijah Har Show on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Two days away from Thanksgiving. Welcome back to KWTO. Camelia Peterson with the, is it Peterson? Peterson. I have you in my phone as Camelia AFP, so I always am like, <laughs> I can't remember your last name. Camelia Peterson with Americans for Prosperity. Camelia, question of the day. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh, mashed potatoes and gravy. How do you make it? Uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. It has to be, first of all, it needs to be white gravy. Ah, we had this big debate with the kids about brown versus white gravy. <laughs> yes. Amen. White, white gravy, gravy all the way. Yes. Um, and uh, I like my mashed potatoes pretty basic, but lots of butter. Okay. Do you do, do, you do like the cream cheese thing? I don't do, no. Uh, I keep it pretty you're... simple. It is good. Now, well, sour cream sometimes, but I know like anything, both. Everything is better with cream cheese, I know, right? Cream cheese, sour cream, just like load it all up together. Oh, yeah. Now we're talking. Uh, let's talk about um, education reform in Missouri. I feel like this is the topic that never goes away because our Republican legislature never can seem to actually move the ball forward on this bill. Why is it that we as a state watch all these other states in the Midwest running, galloping ahead of us on education reform, and Missouri seems to plot along Stuck in neutral. I get that question a lot. and I have my own ideas, but I'm going to listen to yours first. Sure. Well, you know, so the urban-rural divide in Missouri is real. Um, and I think probably it's a lot of the rural areas, um, the legislators from those areas that are the obstacle in getting that passed. Um, and I think that's partially because they're, well, school superintendents are pretty powerful in those areas. The school is the largest employer. Change is hard. People are worried their school is going to get defunded. I think there's a lot of fears that are probably unfounded, but I agree. I think in my mind, a bigger issue is I always think the states that have done ed reform, it's traditionally been executive led. The governor said, yes, we're going to do that. For he sure. shoves the legislature forward on the issue. We've had a plethora of governors that just have, it's not been a priority to them. And so I don't know of a single example, and you may correct me if I'm wrong, of a state where the legislature decided let's move the ball forward and the governor came with them. No, you're absolutely right. In fact, that's the other thing that I would say was that all of the states around us who have uh, done this have had governors who have led on the issue and have led aggressively on the issue, not just saying, yeah, I'm in favor of that, but they've put themselves out there. Now, there's a three-part process to this. We jumped ahead to the third part, which is why we haven't done it. Let's start with the first part. Why should we have education reform? Does it really like what what even is education reform? Right. That's the big question, right? You say school choice anymore and people don't know what that means exactly. So I think it really boils down to a parent's rights issue because I think that parents um, have the right to decide the best education for their child. Every child is different. They have different educational needs. The problem is, is let's be real. Um, we have a socialist. I prefer just to be fake. No, okay. Well, no, I'm going to be real. <laughs> <laughs> we have a socialist education system, right? I, there's no getting around that, but we're not going to unring that bell in the next 20, 30, or even 50 years. So I think we have to do what we can to free people 
from that system. And that means that, you know, the most common argument you hear coming from people who are opposed to school choice is like, oh, well, we already already have school choice. You can you can take your kids to another school. I'm like, OK, well, it's kind of like stop being poor because. <laughs> yes, I mean, exactly. Like they're not everybody has that option. So I've always homeschooled my daughters. Um, I went to a very small private school. So actually why my parents moved to Southwest Missouri. Um, and so you're college heights. I did not even, ah, smaller. even smaller. I had basically, it was kind of like the one room college school house. Like the big school. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I had basically like What's the one the room schoolhouse experience. Or where is it? Uh, it, well, it's no longer. Okay. Um, it's, it actually stopped not too long. I broke it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but we were small, but you know what? It little was great. facts about Missouri. There used to be a college up in Tarkio, Missouri, a little tiny town up in Northwest Missouri. Marco Rubio, his first year of college at Tarkio College. Oh, really? On a football scholarship. Hated it. Moved back to University <laughs> to Florida, went to UF. He's now in the U.S. Senate. So, right. these little schools that go okay. away, they the progeny are amazing. Well, that's great. Okay, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you know, I, um, and so I've always homeschooled my girls, and it's a financial sacrifice. You know, I don't make a lot of money. Um, but the thing is, is I have a really great support system and not everybody has that. And yeah. so I have a lot of sympathy for single parents, for families who just don't have that support system in place and financially can't do it. I was really fortunate. I was homeschooled all the way growing up. In fact, we moved from Iowa to Missouri back before homeschooling had been legalized in Iowa. It was still against the law and you were considered truant mm-hmm. if you were not in mm-hmm. school. Uh, so that's why we moved to Missouri because the laws here were really good. Yeah. And um, a, a lot of people are like, well, did you, you know, socialization, what'd you miss out on? I'm like, well, we could have those conversations. <laughs> but I think the big thing is, as you mentioned, stop being poor. That's the thing. We have school choice if you're rich enough, if you have the financial yeah. means to, to choose it. The, the goal in, in any state that's moving the ball forward on school choice is we want to, the, the, the big tagline, the money follows the student, not the, right. the, the system. And so if you think that your child would perform better in a homeschool situation, in a private school situation, in a religious school, it sh- you should have that option, and it should not be based upon your zip code or your socioeconomic status to do. Exactly. And so then the question is, if we, if we come to an agreement that, yes, the most important thing is for the children, we want to make sure that the children have the best education possible, then the question is, how do we get from there to there? From here to there, what's the what's the best reform and what's it look like? Because we're here, vouchers and charters and open enrollment and and you know all education savings. What's the best of the of the school reforms? Well, my opinion, AFP's opinion, is that the best option is education savings accounts, um, where the money does follow the child to whatever educational choice their parents make. And I know that there are a lot of concerns about that when it comes to your local property taxes versus, so probably the simplest way to do this right now is to have the state portion of education funding follow that child. So it's not as just, I mean, you know, the, the government school is going to make out pretty good because their, their local taxes for the school is going to stay right there while the student goes on. So I, it's not hurting them, but I would say that. You know, one of the things that, you know, we hear in rural areas is, is they will say, well, you know, there's not any options around here, so we don't have choice anyway, so it doesn't matter for us. But my point is, is okay, maybe, but you never know what might come up when people see the opportunity to do something. Plus, we need those options for the urban and suburban communities because when you look at St. Louis and Kansas City, 
and um, the liberal cultures there and how that that blue is bleeding out into the surrounding counties. And the thing is, is that parents and kids don't know what they don't know. And it's all they know is the school that is there and they don't have any of the other options to go to. Um, you just, you, we need those if we want kids to have a different, to learn something different in terms of what they're being indoctrinated with. We need to give them an out. What is an educational savings account? Just defy, because well, a lot of listeners are like, I don't know what that is. I know, right? Okay, so uh, the number just, what's the what's the one you can do for college? The 50? Oh, 529s? The 529s, yes. So kind of like a 529, except somebody, um, one of the candidates here not too long ago um, had said that what he would like to see is basically kind of like a 529, but for K-12, but if you had money left over, you could roll that over into, you know, college or whatever. I think that's a great idea. I mean, the money, the money is there. I had a, a current representative tell me one time, I hadn't really thought about this, um, this last session. He said, you know, as a, as a state in the Constitution, we decided that we would make sure that every child was educated and that we would fund that for every child. We are not funding that for every child because so many people have opted out of that system. And so, um, I mean, it, that's a good thing. Yes. But also, that's the commitment we've made. So, I, you know, money should be able to follow that child wherever they go. It's not like it's not like it's a bad thing if all of a sudden people who are private schooling now or homeschooling take advantage of those funds and use that for their kids' education. So, in ESA, Kat, you put money in tax-free? How's yes. the process work? Because we have, we have like a mini ESA program right now in Missouri, correct? Right. I have a little quibble with that because that's the empowerment scholarship account. So it's actually completely different. Ah, um, okay. So the, what you will hear called an ESA right now is a scholarship. It's very limited, but basically people can make donations into the ESA and that's tax deductible. And so there are certain limits on that, but then they distribute those scholarships to kids and it's very limited. You have to be in certain areas. Um, you have to meet certain socioeconomic um, levels and then there are limits on the giving in too. But that has been so popular that they're actually, their challenge right now is raising enough funding for the demand. So the demand is definitely there. And I will tell you, the ESA that we have right now in terms of that scholarship program is like, it's it's almost the least of what we would want to get because it's so limited. And there are there are strings in there that we would prefer not to be in there. You know, there's, there's background testing and um, other testing requirements that are in there that, I mean, in my opinion, the government needs to stay out of curriculum choices. It needs to stay out of, you know, the testing standards. And we need to protect, you know, if we're talking about ideal, you know, legislation for this, we need to protect homeschoolers. The government needs to stay out of, you know, the decision-making process on um, curriculum. And we need to have that that firewall up so that homeschoolers are protected. Because I know there's a lot of concern there. That's the, the from the from the perspective of homeschoolers, I always hear, oh, we don't want the state government meddling in what we teach yep, our kids. It's totally the number that. one concern I hear on, sure. on school choice. Absolutely. What's your thoughts on the whole open enrollment conversation? I mean, and for our listeners who don't know, open enrollment says you can pick the public school you want to go to. Right. If you're on the, if you're in Springfield and you want to go to Nixa, you can just go to Nixa. As long as your parents can drive you there, you can go to Nixa. Right. So I mean, we have open enrollment in what I think Kansas City and St. Louis right now, 
and um, there's a limited version in Springfield. I think you can apply if okay. you stay within Springfield. It's like I go to Kickapoo, but I'd rather go to Glendale. You can apply, and apparently, except for Misha, it usually gets granted. Misha gets all <laughs> weird about it, and they're communists. But yeah, no, we can't even get that expanded beyond that. And people, you know, will be like, "Oh, we have charter schools in the cities, but look, they're woke and liberal and everything else." And I'm like, "Well, what do you expect when you only allow charter schools in the cities?" And the thing is, it's like with open enrollment or charter schools or anything like that, those we would not even need to talk about if we let money follow the child to any educational institution or, you know, method, because it just, it would be a moot point at that point. Uh, what's the state, if you could pick a state that you think has, has been the leader on education reform, you're like their model. We want to be like them. Who's that? I mean, right now, I think that's probably Iowa. Interesting. Is this, and this is recent, like Kim Reynolds led? I was pretty recent. And the reason, my slight hesitation is because every, you know, Arizona, Iowa, Arkansas are all relatively recent. Right. So Florida was like the OG of it back in the late yes, 90s. And Florida is doing great. Yeah. So, so yeah. For all Florida. the haters on the Bush family, Jeb did some, some stuff down there. Yes, for sure. So I think that, you know, some of, and every state has done it differently, of right. course. And uh, we would have to do it differently too, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, we're still seeing it's going to take, you know, five years or so before we really see how those programs flesh out. We need to be able to make adjustments to them if we need to. Um, but it's not like it's going to be all of a sudden next year. Oh, we have school or choice all over the state. I mean, it takes time. But I think that Florida has been a good model for that. And we have seen uh, the good outcomes that have come out of what they've done. I don't I don't know anybody that's saying Missouri is leading the nation in test scores. I don't I don't think that's a common no. <laughs> well, here's the thing. When you talk about open enrollment, so there was an article that came out just the other day um, about a St. Louis County suburb district, Hazelwood School District, and they literally, in like the last five years, have really ramped up their um, efforts to crack down on people coming into their school that don't live in the district. Yeah. And they call it educational larceny. They hire private investigators to follow parents and kids around to see where they're living or not. And it was, it kind of became a big deal. And that's, that's wild. Like we should not, we should not be, have to be at that point. So this is, uh, we've seen this in other states. I think Oklahoma has, has open enrollment. And what, what you'll have is you'll have schools that'll say, will self-limit to only 5% non-school district kids. And then there, it turns into like basically a race. And then they just say, okay, well, we're going to take these kids and not these kids. It's not true open enrollment. It's right. faux open enrollment. And well, so yeah, that, exactly. that's been one of the problems that we've seen across the country. And I think that people have this notion that everybody is going to go flock to the big school with the big sports program right. or whatever. I actually think in reality that we're going to see it be somewhat the opposite. I think that parents will look at those smaller school districts and want that smaller class size for their kids. Or you'll look look at niche things like, oh, my child is in band. They've got a great band program. My child likes art. It'll be like college. You'll literally have, oh, this college is great engineering. I'm going to go to that college and not just the college where I live. Right. I think in the end it would all work out because there would be, it would go back and forth. And I talked to a friend just the other day, and that is exactly what they saw in open enrollment in their state was that they, you know, some people did go to the smaller school districts, but then, you know, a certain percentage of kids went to the larger ones that had different programs. And so I think those things will balance out. And it forces, I mean, like 
open enrollment is the tiniest amount of school choice you could get. But the problem is, is that we have no incentive for school districts to be better. There's, there's just no incentive there. And the complaint about school districts often fall in deaf ears because everybody thinks the public schools aren't doing enough, but their public school is the exception to that rule. And so everybody's sure. always like, well, I know my kids' teachers, and they're really trying hard. And it's like, yeah, the teachers are trying hard all over the state. That not isn't the problem. Right. No, And, you know, some public schools are better than others. For sure. And, you know, I think the thing with education choice is that it doesn't just help students, it helps teachers. Because one of the things you hear people talk about are teacher salaries and, you know, how you are able to make more money. And I think that teachers should be compensated based on their performance. And I have- also, if you look at Missouri, uh, we spend 10 times as much on our education system as our correctional system. Mm. And that's probably a good thing. If it was the same, people would complain about that. But I don't think that our education system is 10 times better than our correctional system. I, I, I don't think we're seeing the results, re- the return on the dollar. I think it's time to try something new. Two-part question. One to 10 optimism level. One being zero optimism, 10 being full optimism. What's your optimism level on getting school choice done next year? <laughs> and what's your optimism level on school choice getting done in the next administration? Okay. So this coming year, uh, my optimism level is probably at about, uh, well, okay, so my idealist side is maybe at a seven, but my pragmatist side is about a three, maybe. About three higher than mine, but go on. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I'm trying to be optimistic here. Uh, With the next administration, much higher. Okay. I think we have only good options coming in. I know that every single candidate, you know, gubernatorial candidate is in favor of education choice. Yeah, I I worry that some are giving them lip service and are still going to get all the endorsements of the traditional teachers unions. And I don't have a lot of optimism there. Uh, Yeah, but there's there's I think there are there is the possibility um, and maybe the probability that that one of them is going to be leading the charge when they're when they're sworn in in January 2025. All right. Camilla, you work for Americans for Prosperity. Real quick, 30-second elevator pitch. What is Americans for Prosperity? A free market-based uh, organization. We um, work on issues like education. You know, Based. So Based. It, is this, we need free market and education, too. Garrett, we were talking about earlier offline about phrases that, that, that were over. I'm over the word based. I'm tired of <laughs> I'm, I'm over it now that I've heard you You've say it. You've never heard it? <laughs> no, I've I've heard it. I've used it several times. Oh, I'm just over it now worst. that I've heard of a 55 year old radio host. Right. Wait, use the is word. lit still okay? Oh. <laughs> we were discussing. There's so many phrases that I'm just tired of hearing. So tired of hearing them. Uh, my kids use them all the time. All right, uh, Camelia. If anybody wants to follow along with the work that you do, or just generally follow your travels up to Iowa and your conversations with voters, how do they follow you on social media? Social media, AFP Missouri, um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us there. Um, you know, we want to save you money and lower your taxes and free parents to choose the best education for their kids. And you know, check us out. Very good. Thanks for coming in today. We'll have Senator Curtis Trent at five oh five. Plus, we'll be right back. We'll answer a question today. What's our favorite Thanksgiving food? I saw the sun begin to dim and felt that winter wind blow cold. A man learns who's there for him when the glitter fades.